and uh, you know, just receive what he has. Just, just let God speak to you tonight. Amen? Will you do that? You ready? Praise the Lord. We love you, man. Praise God. Welcome. Welcome to Generations. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, usually about eight, we, we're out with you. Okay, great. All right. Good evening, everybody. I, I go up here, then I see everybody better. And if somebody is sleeping, I, uh, I can bless him. And uh, All right. Good evening. Uh, it's such a joy, uh, such a blessing to be here. Um, first of all, Pastor Albert, Pastor Ma'am, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, I really like to come here to this church. And when I come to Houston, I always think this is my home church here. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, Angela, my wife, she sent her greetings. She was with me in uh, Australia. Uh, it was the month of February. I was in Australia. And then after this, I was in Austin, Austin, Texas, for only a week. And then we returned home. And, um, and so I came right after this. I came here. And so thank you for having me here. Thank you so much. Um, tonight, I'd like to talk uh, a little bit about the renewing of our mind. And you know, I think this is a very uh, good subject because I realized I need that so much. I need to renew my mind because uh, sometimes there, let me tell you a different story. Um, my, my daughter, you know what, let's pray first. I think it makes everything easier. Is that right? Okay, Father in heaven, Father, we thank you. We thank you for our time together. I thank you for this opportunity to preach and teach and prophesy and help my brothers and sisters. We all need you. We all need you. And I love you, Jesus. And I know you love your church, your people. So help me, Holy Spirit, to release your word to your wonderful people. Bless everybody tonight. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, um, uh, some of you probably don't know me. I'm from a little town. Uh, Houston is a big town, big city here. I'm coming from a little town. We have only 500,000 people uh, in, our, in our town and, or in our city. And it's uh, two hours south of Berlin. And we had a great musician, or we had a few great musicians uh, in our town. Uh, city, John Sebastian Bach was one, or uh, Felix Mendelssohn Bartholdi, Robert Schumann, uh, Georg Friedrich Handel, or different other ones. Maybe if you like classical music, uh, there's a lot of them, they, they came from our town. And so our town is about 1,000 years old, it's a pretty old town. Um, we didn't have these huge wide streets like you have here in Texas. Uh, because our towns, uh, they are very, they have small uh, streets and everything. So uh, it's a little, it's a typical European town. And I was born in that town. And uh, my father, um, my grandfather, he was in, uh, uh, he was fighting in Hitler's army. After he was captured after World War II or during World War II. And then they brought him, the American troops, they brought him to Norfolk, Virginia. And he was serving in a prisoner's camp in, here in America for one year or two years. I'm not sure exactly. And then he came back 
after this time, and they brought him to England. And from England, uh, the British, they took him another year. And he couldn't go home for a year. He had to serve in, in England in one of these prisoners' camps. My grandfather n never told me what he did. The only thing I know, he was fighting in Hitler's army. And so when he came back, uh, he told my father, he said, I learned my lesson. I was fighting for the wrong things. I was fighting on the wrong side. Do better. And the only alternative in that time, uh, Russia, they captured the east part of Germany, and they brought, introduced communism to East Germany. And so my father became a communist. I never saw a Bible until I was 19 years old. I never saw a church until I was 19 years old. I got born again by a Bible track. Somebody gave me a Bible track, and I was reading this Bible track, and I thought this is a fairy tale. It, this is not a real story. And you know, in that time, I was drinking, I was smoking, I was cursing, I did all the bad things people do if they don't know Jesus. And so the, uh, then somebody gave me a Bible. And it's always important to have a Bible with you. And somebody gave me that Bible, and I was reading the Bible. I was drinking vodka. I was smoking the cigarettes still because nobody told me it's wrong. But I still did this. But then after a few weeks, I realized my appetite for all the things was changing. And I, uh, one day, I was in my communist army uniform. I was falling down in, the, down in the middle of my room on my knees. And I said, God, I don't know if I'm qualified for you. I'm not sure if you like me or if you don't like me. I know I'm a bad person, but I desperately, I need you. So if I'm qualified, I'm here. And if I can do something for you, I would love to do that. So that was when I became born again in the communist army. I grew up in a, in a, a society where everybody, almost everybody was poor. I told you before, uh, I remember in Christmas time, I was standing in line for one banana and for one orange for each member of my family. I could, because there was not, not enough in our country. That was the only time when you could buy oranges or bananas. I remember when the wall fell down, I came to America and I came checked into one of these hotels. And it, uh, there was, a, uh, on the breakfast buffet, there was bananas, there was oranges there. When I came to the breakfast buffet, I asked the lady, I said, can I take an orange? And she said, uh, yes, you can. I said, how much is that? She said, nothing, it's free. So I filled up all my, all my, I, I came to my room, you know, I, I, I filled it up, you know. It was free. I never saw that. When the wall came down, um, so uh, I, I was praying and I said, God, I'd like to go shopping in West Germany. Uh, I don't have much money, but I'd like to go. And the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go. I said, why not? He said, it will drive you crazy. If you see this wall of overflow, if you see this hundreds of feet long meat uh, 
counter or I don't know how you call that and then you go to the section with all the uh, vegetables and everything there it will drive you crazy because I've never seen that before you know I remember the time I uh, I was not a Christian later I became a Christian and uh, I, I had so not too much vegetables for my family not too much fruits for my family I went to the woods and I picked berries to have uh, vitamins for our children. I would go to the public fields and I would steal some broccoli or some, some other vegetables to have something to eat. I remember the time when I went to my working place and I had only a piece of bread and a bottle of milk. I remember exactly that time. One thing is good in, from this time. Uh, if you are smart, you will never forget this. And you value life, and you value prosperity, you value things, that is great. The bad side on this, it produces something in your mind. It brings a mindset to you. You feel always like you are poor, you feel always like you are not worthy. You feel always like you are the last in the society. You will feel always like you didn't belong to this group. You belong to this group. Always on the wrong side of town. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. And so, my, my daughter, uh, we have three, three children. My daughter, she's and now 23 years old, 22 years old, excuse me. Uh, she's 22 years old. And when she was born, um, everything was fine. But when she, in the process, uh, to deliver the baby, the umbilical cord was around her neck. When the doctor delivered the baby, her face was blue. And the doctor said to, to my wife and to me, he said, the baby is healthy, but... She had a lot of lack of oxygen, so she, her brain is damaged. So probably she will be handicapped for the rest of her life. Don't expect too much from her. You know, uh, first thing in my mind was, what did I wrong? Was there anything I did wrong? Do you know we all have this mindset, God will punish us for something we did in the past. Maybe you, I prayed not enough. Maybe I'd, I was not giving enough in the church. Maybe I was not working hard enough for God because we have that mindset. And I realized I have different mindsets in my life. I captured different mindsets in my life and this is not what the Word of God tells us. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> and so, when she, uh, uh, when when we brought her to school, um, the the teachers they acted like she's handicapped or she's a child with special needs. And so we we didn't like it because uh, from day one when she was born, I always every morning every evening I'd laid hands on her every day. 
I was speaking the word of God in that little baby bed. Uh, when she grew up, uh, we tried to, we, we invested a lot of time in that little girl. And then uh, we realized there's a little change. But then she came to school. When she came to school, the teacher they was reading her medical report, and she immediately had this mindset, this child is a child with special needs. And she acted like somebody who helps a child with a special need. And so my, my daughter, she started to developing also that mindset. In that time, uh, the first Iraq war broke out, and um, there was a lot of demonstrations everywhere in Germany. And during that demonstrations, I realized there was a kind of an anti-Americanism in the country. And my wife and I, we always loved America. I always liked to be here. And I said to my wife, and my wife said to me, we, we don't like that our children grow up with that because it will set up a mindset in them. And so one day I was in, in a uh, conference here in America. Uh, my, my wife called me from Germany and she said, you know, I hope you, agreed, uh, you agree with me what I did today, but I took our children out of school, what is totally illegal. And I said, why you did this? She said, I think I have very strong in my heart, we're moving for a few months to America. I said, you know what? And that's the truth. I said, I had the same idea two days ago. And she said, you know, what we do is we take the children out. We don't like that they develop this mindset of anti-Americanism in their mind. You, I hope you understand what I'm talking about. So we took them out of school a few weeks later. We, was in, uh, we went to California, and it was the best time of our life. I was pastoring the church for two weeks, then I fly to America. I was three weeks in America, fly back to Germany, and I did this for five, six months. And it was the best time in our life. What's happened to my daughter was, in America, nobody uh, treated her like she's a child with special needs because they never uh, uh, um, was reading her medical report. They treated her like a regular child. And then, um, a little bit later, we came back to Germany, we put her in another public school, and we didn't give the medical report to that teacher. It was obligated, but I didn't do it, so I didn't give it to her. And she acted like this girl is beautiful, uh, normal girl. And my, my daughter started to change her mind, to learn better. Everything became better and better month after month. After a year, she was so good, we put her in an international school. All the teaching was in English, and that was not her uh, native language. But she loved America. She liked America. So she said, I need to, she loved the language. So she said, I need to, uh, need to speak that language. And then she finally became the best in her high school class. And then she said, I'd like to become a lawyer. And last year she ended up in Kent University as the best foreign student in law school. And then something happened. She came to... Um, she 
um, I don't know how you said it. Uh, she wrote an application to a school in, uh, in England. It's called London School of Economics and Political Science. Maybe you never heard of this, but they are in the same ranking like Oxford, Harvard, Yale, same ranking. And they wrote here a letter back and they said, if you keep that grades, we'd like to welcome you here in our, in our university. And she's now there. Right next to her was a lady from India. And this lady, my daughter asked her, she said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm the advisor for the president of India. Next guy, he came in with two bodyguards. He was the son of a sheikh in the Arab world. All and my daughter, you know what she said, and that's actually my point. My daughter, she said, Daddy, I have this feeling I didn't belong here. You understand what I'm saying? If you grow up in an environment where you probably not have the prosperity, or you don't have the right parents with the right job, with the right connections to people, you maybe can't afford an Ivy League school or something like that. You sometimes feel like you didn't belong to this class. And this is a mindset. And tonight I'd like to talk a little bit about our brain, about that mindset, and how we destroy and overcome a wrong, stinking thinking. Okay? So in Romans 12, verse 2... I give you just the scripture. You can write it down. Romans 12, verse 2. It said, and be renewed in your mind. I know the scripture is much longer, but I, I have only a German Bible, and I don't like to waste the time. Uh, don't misunderstand me. Reading the Word of God is never wasting time. I understand that. But write it down and read it at home for yourself, if that's okay with you. The Bible talks here that our mind must be renewed every day. The Bible didn't talk and said our body has to be renewed. I wish I can do that. You know, some people, they do that. They use a plastic surgist, you know. But that is not a real renewing, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it had terrible results, you know. So that's another part, you know. But, and it also didn't say our spirit has to be renewed. Because our spirit is brand new. Amen? Amen. So since we are children, we got programmed... We got programmed and in, in, um, in the school, in our home, then later in our working place, university, by um, conversations, the internet, TV, everything is um, talking to our mind. Our brain is like a big computer. And this hardware in our, you, you program, uh, program it every day. Is that right? I hope you understand. Um, there's a phenomenon uh, during World War II. There was a Harvard professor, a medical professor. He came over to Europe and he, was, uh, he did surgery with all that U.S. soldiers. Some of them, they lost legs. Uh, they had real terrible wounds. 
And uh, one day they was running out of morphine. morphine. And there was an American, um, African-American lady, she was a nurse, and she said uh, to one of the soldiers, she said, you know what, what we do is, I will inject you, I will inject you morphine right now, and the doctor will do the surgery, and you will feel nothing. So she took some salt water, and she injected it to him. And in that moment, the, uh, the soldier said, okay, this is so much better. It feels so good. The doctor didn't know that she did this, did the surgery, and everything was cool. After the surgery, she told him that she did this, and the doctor was almost shocked. But he realized something. This lady tricked the brain of this man. Years later, when World War II was over, he went back to Harvard University and he started 15 different studies and he came up with that new word. Um, it's the placebo effect. Maybe you heard about this. And you know, you, sometimes I'm wondering, there was people, they studied a group of Pentecostal people uh, and that was not critical people, that was scientists uh, psychologists, they came to, here in America, you have only two states where uh, poison drinking and snake lifting up, uh, where it's not illegal. There's only two states in America. In all other states, it's illegal. And this group of scientists, they, was look, uh, they came to this old, old Pentecostal churches, and they was wondering, what's going on? Why are these people... Uh, if they got bitten by snakes, or some of these people, they drink real poison, strychnine. They took that and they uh, swallowed and they didn't fall down. And these psychologists, they, they, they didn't understand this phenomenon. So they came up and they said, we need to check their brains. And some of them, they measured their brain waves and they realized these people, because... They did what they called the renewing of the mind. They brought themselves in a state of mind what is totally, uh, I don't know how you, you can't hurt these people. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I hope you understand. What I'm saying is, or what I try to do is tonight, I try to put something in you uh, that you understand it's valuable to read the Word of God. The Bible has 8,000 Promises. 8,000. Psychologists say if you hear one, good, uh, one uh, phrase like, you are stupid. If you hear that 52 times, it becomes part of you and you believe it. You have to hear it 52 times. That's what psychologists say. It's not what the Bible said. And I'm not a new age preacher. I'm not a psychology preacher. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a preacher, and I'm preaching you the Word of God. What these people realized, or what they, yeah, what they realized, is what we know from the Bible uh, since the Bible is here. You, I hope you understand what I'm saying. In uh, uh, Proverbs 23, God said, How a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, um, in Galatians 3, it said there's not only men, there's not only women, there's not Greek, there's not uh, Jew. We all in one, we, you, I hope you understand, we all in Christ, you know. So what I'm saying here is actually um, how a man or a woman thinks in her heart. So is he or so is she. Uh, in Mark 4, it said, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. With the same measure you spend time in the Word of God, God will measure results back to you. Uh, Mayo Clinic had a study 30 years long, and, they, uh, and uh, the study came out in the year 2002, and they realized optimistic people live longer and have less health problems. It's a study. It's a, it's a scientific fact. There was, a matter of fact, uh, my, I, I like comedies. I don't know about you, but I like comedies. I like good comedies. And my wife, she thinks sometimes I look too much comedies. And so I was so happy when I was reading this Japanese scientist, they found out if you watch one comedy for one hour a day, it will change your genes in, or your DNA in every cell. That's interesting. So there was 14 uh, different, uh, on the DNA, 14, 14 different, I don't know how you call that, genes was... Yeah, was changed. Why I'm saying this? What we hear has an impact on us. What we see has an impact on us. How people talk about you and how much time you spend with them had an impact on you. The society is telling you uh, Christianity is over. It's not. Society tells you um, it's only the seeker-friendly churches. They are the future church. I tell you, it's not. It's not. I believe everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, there is the future. This is his church. You know? So what I'm saying is, uh, Yale University, they, they, had, a, uh, they had a study uh, with people 50 plus. And they had 600 men and women and they studied uh, them for a number of years, and they realized positive thinking people or people uh, who are happy, friendly, enjoy life, they live at least seven years longer than any other person. It's interesting. Duke University, they had a study with 866 heart patients, and they realized everybody who... Uh, enjoy life and enjoy family and all this, you know, uh, a positive um, a positive person, let me say it like this, you know, um, they live 11 years longer. So what I'm saying is, it's worth to go in the Word of God and study at least one Bible verse, one uh, of these promises of God out of 8,000. 
We have 60 every day. We think about between 60 and 70,000 thoughts. Some women probably say, I think my husband, he had no thoughts. Or some guy probably say, my wife, she had no thoughts. Uh, this is a different thing. You have to work that out. But this, every person, male or female, have at least 60 to 70,000 thoughts. And what we do is normally, what we, you know, uh, uh, we do the same things every day. And because we do the same things every day, we have the same chemical reactions in our body every day, and that's why we feel like yesterday we will feel today. So if we change our mind, if we fill our brain with the scriptures, with the word of God, there's a change in us. And there's also, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to, to explain that, we, in, in that moment, we change, we think different, we think different about our future, and we become automatically more positive. What I'm saying is, if we meditate about the Word of God every day, it will take fear away. Uh, they found out the biggest number one problem for human mankind today is stress. If you can't pay your rent, if you can't pay your bills, you have stress. If your marriage is broke down, you have really stress. If your children runs away, you have a mental stress, it's terrible. And they said, and 20 years ago, they wouldn't say that. 20 years ago, they would say, all of our future, everything how we are, everything what we are, is in our genes, in our DNA. And our DNA in one cell, the DNA in one cell is, if you take that out, this little letter there, you know, if you take that out, it is six feet high. One DNA from one cell. If you bring all the cells from our, our body together and you put one DNA after another, you would go 150 times to the moon and back. That's in one body. And you bring all the 7 billion people, the DNA from all 7 billion people, people together, and you press them together, they will fit in a grain of rice. Nobody can tell me we didn't have a great God. Nobody can tell me he's not a great, awesome God. He, he, he did a great creation. You know? And so what I'm saying is, 20 years ago, they found out that if you live a bad lifestyle, if people smoke, if people drink, but the most baddest thing is stress, it will change your genes. It will change your DNA. On my father's side, every male on my father's side was died in the age of 50. Everybody on my father's side. So when I became 50, I was a little afraid. And I thought, uh, talk to a doctor. And the doctor said to me, I'd like to do a genetic test with you. And I said, doctor, I don't like that. Because if I knew I have this 70-80% chance to get cancer, I would be afraid. He said, it's true. But the other thing is, if you know it, 
what's happening in your body, you probably change the way how you eat or what you do or reduce stress. Or He said, uh, you don't need to do it. And finally, I did it. The result came out and the doctor said, if you live uh, healthy, you will become an old man. There's not one single sign of cancer in your body. Why I'm saying this? When I became born again, I became a new creation. But since I became born again, I was, I'm reading my Bible every day. This is like eating. Because this is part of the renewing of our mind. Uh, in 1981, there was a professor from Harvard University, a lady, and I liked this study. She took eight men. They was 80 years and older. She took them in a monastery for one week and the next week the four others. She decorated the whole monastery like it was 25 years before. It was the time when uh, Khrushchev, the Russian president, visited America. She played the music from Nate King Hall there in the whole monastery. They had um, a baseball field there, and they had all the newspapers there, everything like 25 years before. And then what, what she said, I want you to act like you are 25 years younger. The guys in the beginning, they was a little slow, you know. But then they heard the music. They was watching this movie. They were all this, they remembered about the time. Uh, they started playing baseball. Everything was cool. After one week, this lady, she was measuring their brain uh, streams. or I, I don't know how you call it. They, she, you can, brain waves. Is that correct? Brainwaves, she, she had this thing, you know, I don't know how to say that. And uh, then she measured the height of the guys. All four of them was two inch taller. Their fingers was longer. I'm, I think uh, they was not growing. I think uh, something happened to them, they, they stood taller. Arthritis was gone. Their eyesight was better. Their uh, ability to hear and to think, to memorize, was uh, an increase of 63%. Don't tell me. The society around you, the circumstances around you have no influence on you. My daughter, she said when, when she came to... Um, to LSE, she said, Daddy, I had to renew my mind. I belong here because God wants me here. Maybe our social status didn't say, because I, I didn't have a lot of money, you know. I couldn't afford this university, or I couldn't afford uh, where my other son is going. But I don't have this social status. I'm not born and could send my children to an Ivy League school, but... It was God's plan. And that's why she belongs there. Because God planted her to be there. And so you and I, we have to meditate about God's promises, His word, what He has for us, and then do it. The other four uh, older persons, she didn't tell them anything. She didn't say, act like this. 
They was even not listening to the music. They was not reading the newspaper, nothing. And there was not one single change in them. Why I'm saying this? I believe if we can change, uh, or if we can fill our brain with the Word of God, it will absolutely change us. We will think about us different. We will walk different in a supermarket. You will walk different into, um, I don't know how you call that, when you, when you apply for a new job and you have a job interview. You will walk indifferent. Because you know the one, the greater one, is in you than the one who is in the world. You know, um, I was very scared. I was very scared um, years and years ago, 35 years ago, uh, when I got married. There was this girl I love. It was funny how I met her. It was great. She was the most beautiful girl. And, but I had bad experiences because my father was married before my mother. I, I haven't seen any good marriage, working marriage, around me. There was not one example. I thought, this is great to see this couple. They still love each other. They still, uh, they have a great marriage. I've never seen this. And so when I, uh, when I was ready to get married, there was some days I was scared. I thought, Jesus, I hope that works. I don't like to end up having a divorce after 10 years or after two years, you know, or after 20 years. So I said, Jesus, please help me. And I remember like, one day, Brother Samuel, he came to our church. And Brother Samuel, uh, I was praying this, you know. And Brother Samuel, he was sitting in, in, in the office in, in the back room. And he, he said, look me in the eyes. I said, sir. He said, my lips never kissed another woman. He said, I never dated another wife. This is my one and only bride. And he said, you can do the same. And I realized, like, it was like in my heart, God was scratching something or doing something in my heart. And I realized, if he can do it, I can do it too. I saw there an example. And that's why it's important which church you go, what they teach you, how they live. You know why I like this couple? Because they're still married to each other. You know, it's true. I'm not saying you, you did something wrong if you have a divorce. Uh, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can make it. But you have to change and renew your mind. I remember, uh, you know, I told you I grew up in total poverty. And when the wall came down, um, we had, now we could have public church. We had an old piano there. And the piano was terrible. This piano, there was missing some keys. They was not there. Somebody had stolen them. I don't know what it was, you know. Uh, we had this old junk piano there, and I don't know what to do. So one day I, I thought, you know, I went to a piano store and look what, uh, how much a piano costs. That we, need, we need a good one. And so I prayed. I said, God, please help me. I don't have the money, but we need a, uh, a piano. I'd like to praise you in, with good music. And so I came to the store, and on the door there was this golden letters, Steinway and Sons. 
And I thought, this is crazy. I never heard about it. What is that? Never heard about this. Went to the store. The owner came to me and he said, you know, uh, we have this beautiful piano here. If you like to buy it, you can do so. Uh, I make you a good deal. I said, what is the price of this piano here? It was a grand piano. And he said, 120,000 Deutschmark. 120,000 Deutschmark was like $120,000 in that time. I said, sir, I don't need, I only need one. I don't need the store, you know. He said, no, it's one here. And I said, oh, wow. Why is it so expensive? And he told me all this. And so really discouraged, I went out of the store. And when I came, came home, I thought, um, this is not my class. This is only for rich people. This is only for somebody who has the money. Because I had this poverty mindset. You know, when uh, some preacher came to me and he said, uh, you know, I, w I went to Bible school in Brother Hagen's uh, 1985. Uh, what was you doing in that year? You should come to Bible school. I said, you know what? I was picking up apples on, on the side of a, of a street because that was the only vitamins I could have. And by the way, there was a wall around us. I couldn't go to a Bible school. So, you know, we all grew up different. And sometimes we have a different mindset. My son, he's in a, in a, in a university in America, and he came over from London uh, with a good friend of his from his uh, university. And uh, his friend, he's, he's uh, uh, black. He's an uh, English-African uh, person. And so he said to me, and my, my son said, this is really bad. And I don't like to hurt anybody here. I don't like to bring racism or whatever it is, you know. But he said, it's very sad. Uh, this, my, my black friend, uh, he's uh, in London. It would never happen to him. But here in America, they uh, at least twice a week, They asked for his, uh, for his photo idea. They never asked me. He said, it's crazy. And maybe he's in the, in the area where it's more racism. I, I don't like to bring it up, but what I'm saying, if you grew up as an African-American person, you probably uh, have something to face and you have to change something in your mind. Because over years and decades... Something the devil put in you, and you have to overcome that. That's the only thing. But I'd like to encourage you. You know, all of us, we have to uh, overcome some mindsets. What the devil put in us. Some mindsets are good. God put them in us. But some mindsets they are really, really bad. You know, if you go to China, to Japan, there's so much racism. If you go to Russia, there's so much racism. You wouldn't believe it. You know, some people, they think, here's a lot of racism, go to Russia. There's a lot of more racism. Or in Ukraine, it's crazy. So what I'm saying is, if you are an Asian person, or if you are African-American, you have that mindset, maybe uh, you are from a lower class, but you're not. You're not. Because there's only one creation, there's only one creator, and he created everybody equal. I told you, I told you that story from uh, Count Nicholas of Zinzendorf, when his first missionaries, when they came, uh, he was sending them out to the West Indies. When they came to that boat, uh, 
And they saw all in the bottom of the boat, there was all these African slaves. And he, they, the missionaries, there was white people. And they talked to the captain. And they said, Captain, we need to preach to these people. And he said, no, the guy was a racist. He said, no, they are not, they are not humans. He was a racist. And these two missionaries, and that was 1,700 and a few years, they said, no, we believe in one creation and we believe in one creator. And we believe that everybody's equal. The captain said, no, 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 no. And these two missionaries said, captain, please let us go down. We like to preach the gospel to them. And the captain said, no, you can't. You need to, if, if you are slaves, you could go, but it's, not a, uh, it's illegal. We can't do that. On that day, they put a poster around their neck, and they wrote on that poster, we sell our bodies and become slaves for this and this price. They did it. On that day, they sold their own bodies, became slaves, went down to the boat, to the bottom of the boat. And the slaves, they all said, what are you doing here? And they said, we are slaves. They said, no, you are white. And they, they said, no, uh, we are slaves. We just sold our bodies. And they said, why are you doing this? They said, because somebody did it for us. They preached them the gospel before the night was over. Every slave on that boat was saved. Before that boat reached the West Indies, every person on that boat was saved. They started churches everywhere on the West Indies just because of that sacrifice. But you have to understand, we all have to overcome this mindset. Um, my daughter, she, uh, she called me today and she said, Daddy, uh, I'm accepted in one of uh, Great Britain's greatest bar schools. So she probably become a judge or whatever, you know, uh, that handicapped person. You know what I'm saying? You know, because the, the mindset was changed. Her mindset, but also the mindset around the people. And um, she said, probably um, I, will, I will go to that and become, become a judge. And the school she's going, that is a school like Oxford or Cambridge or Harvard. But you have to understand, uh, John and Charles Wesley, they were great revival preachers. They went to Oxford. In Oxford, they had all the privileges. They had all this because their parents, they was rich. But there was a young white guy. He had this desire to study. He had this desire to read, to learn languages, to preach the gospel. And so there was no other way to go to that school, to Oxford University, the only way for him was to clean the shoes for John and Charles Wesley, to iron their shirts, to take groceries for them. That's what he was doing. You know, his name was George Whitfield. He did all this. He had a mindset to overcome. His parents, his father died very early. His mother, she didn't have the money. Uh, and there was this mindset in him. Probably, I'm not for this university qualified. But he overcame it. You know why? By the word of God. So we have to understand. Um, I had to overcome this mindset. Um, so I came to this, back to this piano store. I came to that piano store. The, the, the owner of the piano store, he said, you know, 120,000 Deutschmark. 
I said, let me pray about this. And I came home. I was discouraged. And I said, God, I never, I don't know. I never had so much money. I don't know how to afford this. And God spoke to me and said, if you do that for my glory, I will do it. I will give you all the money. I said, God, 120,000. Uh, I don't know how much that is. I've never seen so much money on, in my life. And he said, I will give it to you. I, that night, I had a dream. And I dreamed a lady gave me a check about 25,000 Deutschmark. On the next day, a lady called me and she said, Pastor, I heard you like to buy a, a Steinway piano for the church. I give you a check. I have a check here about 25,000 Deutschmark. She said, I'm bringing it next Sunday. I said, no, ma'am, bring it right now. Bring it right now, or I come by your house. She said, no, you don't need to come. So, so she came, she brought it. She was actually two hours away from, uh, from our church. But she came, I said, don't talk to any relative. You know, <laughs> because relatives, they talk you out. You know, they say, oh, you can do that. Is that right? You know, sometimes it's the biggest blessing if you invest that in the kingdom of God, but your mind or your relatives, their mind, talk you out. So this uh, lady, she came, and then uh, a year later, she sold her house, and she uh, received a pension. It was impossible, and she made money 10 times higher than she invested in that piano. So next Sunday, I came to the church. I hold the, the check up. I told the church, we will buy a Steinway piano, and in two weeks, we took offerings and everything. In two weeks, I had 85,000 Deutschmark together. I make it very short. Because of time. I, I never saw 85,000 Deutschmark on, on the table. So I took a McDonald's to go back and I put all this 85,000 Deutschmark in that McDonald's to go back because I thought that is the safest place in the world who would steal, steal a McDonald's to go back. <laughs> on the next day, I went to that piano store and I, I asked the gentleman, I said, uh, I'd like to buy that. Uh, he said, okay, if you sign a contract, I give you 20000 off right away. Uh, because I also said it's used. And so it's a long story. You can read it in my book. So, and no, it's not in my book. It's not in my book. Uh, so you can't read it. Uh, I, I, have to write, I have to write a second one. Um, so anyway, and then I said, sir, you know, if I would give you the money in cash right now, what would you do? He said, I would accept it and deliver that tomorrow to uh, your office. I said, sir, put the McDonald's to go back on his desk. And he said, what is that? I said, I put it out, 85,000 Deutschmark. He was shocked. He said, what church are you going, you know? And I told him a little bit. What I'm saying is, I had to renew my mind. I've never seen so much money. And I realized, uh, sometimes we have this little, 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 little thinking I remember the time when, I, when we started the Bible school in Poland. And when we started this Bible school, um, I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do. We started the Bible school. We had a great relationship with the Jewish congregation in that town. We helped to build, build their synagogue and everything. And they invited me for a finally grand opening of the synagogue of this Jewish congregation. Right next to me, was the ambassador of uh, Poland, the German ambassador uh, in Poland from Germany. Right on, the, on my left side was another ambassador. 
And I thought, what I am doing here? And the Holy Spirit rebuked me and said, you are my ambassador here. Don't have this little crazy thinking about yourself. And I understood I need to renew my mind day by day. One time I was, uh, I, I was meeting Reinhard Bonke. And if you know the story from Reinhard Bonke, uh, he's this evangelist from Germany. Maybe you heard about him. He brought a few souls to the kingdom of God. And he's a, he's a great man. He's possessed by, by, the, by a, souls for the kingdom of God, you know. And uh, he told a story and he said, you know, one time um, he had to overcome his little thinking. His grandfather, like my grandfather, was, uh, no, his father, like my grandfather, was fighting in Hitler's army. And then he was captured. They took him to a prisoner's camp. And uh, one afternoon, Jesus came into that prisoner's camp, showed up there, and Reinhard Bonke's father gave his life to Christ. He started the church and he said, God, I will do everything what's necessary to build your kingdom. His father, he couldn't see that Reinhard Bonke probably is the man who will change Africa. He always said, no, Reinhard, you can't do that. This is too big for you. This is, oh, you can't even speak the language. He always was a little bit against it. Later, when he saw the great uh, 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 revivals there in Africa, he changed his mind. But in the beginning, it was very hard for Reinhard Bonke to change that because he had that small thinking mindset. And in Germany, we have another problem. Germans are so precise. What is good if you build a car? But they are so precise, you are never good enough. That's a problem where we all Germans grow up with. You know, we won last soccer world championship. And you know the, the reporter, what they said? They said, you won, congratulations. But there was a lot of mistakes you did here and you did here and you did here. And I thought, you guy, what are you talking about? These guys, they just won the soccer championship. But this is mentality in Germany. You're never good enough. That's how we raised all. You're never good enough. And it's, it's a terrible thing. So anyway, Reinhard Bonke was raised in that way too. And then um, he, he, he said he had to believe to learn the language. It was so hard for him because we Germans have a hard German accent. It was so hard for him to believe for the money to go to a Bible school. It was so hard for him because he always had this mindset in his mind. His father said, no, you will never be a minister. It was tough on him. But finally, um, after a few years, he said, I was on my way to South Africa. Took an accordion with me and started playing on the street Jesus songs. And he said, years and years later, He had a, had a partners meeting in the Ritz-Carlton in Johannesburg. All his partners was there. And he, uh, he was ready to go up to the stage and he took the microphone. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to talk to you about my newest project. It was in the Ritz-Carlton. And so everybody, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Reinhard, I want that you close, that you let everybody here in this room should close their eyes and do an altar call right now.
He said, God, everybody is born again here. They're all my partners. They support me. They're all Christians. He said, no, do it now. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I have to obey God's word or God's uh, command or I don't know how you say that. Uh, God told me, please close your eyes. And then he thought, if you never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand now. Quiet. Nobody raised his hand. And they said, who is the person who is not saved here in this room? So, and then he heard, oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I see this end. I see this end. Everybody was shocked. Who was in that room who was not born again? They opened their eyes. And every 19 waiters of the Ritz-Carlton gave their life to Jesus Christ that day. That day. He said, I had such a struggle to renew my mind. You have you and I we have to understand if we can't if we don't do it, we will never see the results be, because we will never see where God puts us. I love this couple here because they built a great church. They built a great church building and they built a great church. And you know what? It's tough in these days to build a great church. It's tough. Because the society, they reject this. You know. By the way, it's not our church. You know. So God is his church. He is responsible for everything. What I'm saying is, we Germans, uh, in, that, in that Bible school, excuse me, in that Bible school in Poland, I told pastor this. We had only a few students there. There was one gentleman, I thought, man, he is intelligent, he's great. He's a good man. The other day, uh, a few, few weeks ago, I heard he's like the Anderson Cooper in Poland right now. He's the most famous reporter in that country. What I'm saying is, uh, you and I, we never know what we do. But if God is talking to us and we meditate over it, we will see results. Um, I, I came here and I sold in Idaho, in Idaho uh, almost all my books. I have only 10 or 11 books outside. I will sign them outside. So if you sell them on eBay later when you read it, you know, you, they, you can sell them better. Uh, but I have only 10 or 11 outside. And there was, there, this book came to a Californian prison. And one guy got saved from that book. And he was talking so highly, so, he, so excited about the book that there was a waiting list now. And so, I, you know, to write a book for me was like crazy. I, you know, years ago, I was stealing vegetables on the field. I was shaking apples from the trees on the side of a, of a street because nobody, they belong to nobody. I don't know. So anyway, I, I was doing this, you know. And now God was asking me to write a book about faith behind the iron curtain. I did it, but it was hard for me to do that. But I did it. And so um, last year, um, I thought it's wrong. If prisoners have to wait for a Christian book, it's wrong. I donated 375 books to a prison in Wisconsin. And I will do that next week here in Tech. Next, uh, by the weekend, I will be uh, in a little town close to Dallas. On that, there's a street, there are seven prisons there. 
And if you like, and if you can, put me on your prayer list. I'd like to preach in every of these prisons. And I will give them my book for free. You know, that's what's in my heart right now. Because I think uh, we all have a testimony. We all overcame something or, you know, we had to struggle with something. But you and I, we are here. So if we change our mind, if we renew our mind, we can do much, much more than we think. You know, one day, and I will, I will finish with that. One day, um, I was in Florida preaching. And there in Florida, there was a lady, she came to me and she said, Pastor, that was a wonderful message, how God brought the Berlin Wall down. And she said, I'm going to Haiti every year. And I knew the president there. Would you come and preach before the parliament in Haiti? I said, ma'am, you know, if God opens the door, I would go, yeah. And, you know, but I thought in, inside of me, I thought, you know, this is maybe this kind of flaky people, you know, they're a little cuckoo, you know. I thought, I don't know. So I came to the pastor and I said, pastor, is this lady, she told me she knew the president of Haiti, is she serious? And he said, yeah, she is. She knew exactly uh, all the parliament members there. I said, Pastor, she invited me to go with her and with my wife to, to the parliament and speak to them. And I, I said, he said, she is serious. You can, uh, I would recommend if you can go, go. And so a year later, I was in Tampa again. This lady came up and she said, what do you think? Would you go with me? And I said, oh, yes, ma'am, I'm coming. So a few weeks later, I was on my way to Haiti. When I landed in Haiti, uh, uh, soldiers was coming to the plane and they screamed, where's Mr. Schmidt? And I didn't like this. I didn't like this, you know. So I hold, he said, follow me, where's your family? And so they took me. What they did is they brought me to a diplomatic entrance. I came to this special room. They served me coffee there while, in doing, while they stamped my papers, you know. And I was there. I thought, what I'm doing here? I'm a little guy from a little village. I was stealing vegetables years and years ago. And now I'm here, and they put me through that diplomatic entrance there. And then I, uh, on the next day, I was in front of this parliament members there. The night before, I was Googling, how do I behave in the presence of a president? I couldn't find much, you know. There's not much how the etiquette with the presidents, you know. So I don't know what to do. I came to in the parliament and I tried to speak very good. I tried to speak very slow. I tried to be speak very nice and and God, I heard him saying in my spirit, "What are you doing here?" And I, in my spirit, I I said, "God, I'm I I can't blame you. Or I can't be ashamed for you here, you know. I don't know what to do." And he said, "Close your eyes." And start prophesying. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I believe in prophecy. And God gave me a word for you. I closed my eyes and I felt much, much better. If I closed my eyes, you know, I felt much better. And then I start prophesying. And I said, open up your country for the gospel. Open up your country for ministers, for the kingdom of God. 
open up for uh, your country for missionaries, stop uh, corruption and crime. And so um, after this, I was relieved. And a few hours later, I was on my way back to Miami. I was sitting in that airplane, and I thought, God, that was awesome. And he said, you know, I told you, you are not that little East German. They put your name, your, uh, they put your name on a death list. They, the communists, they tried to kill you. The communists, they put you in jail. They put you in a coal mine. And that, was a, that put a bad mindset in you. I'm able to do so much more. But are you willing to renew your mind every day? And when I came from Haiti, I changed my mindset. And I realized what I'm doing with this world is more important for me than for other people. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody in this room. Help us to renew our mind on a daily basis. Help us. Bless us. Bless this church. Bless everybody. Holy Spirit, I know our flesh is weak sometimes. I know uh, our spirit, we, we like to do things, but sometimes our flesh is weak. So help everybody in this room so that we can renew our mind day by day. Bless this church. Bless them in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to me. Like I said, I have only 11 books, so if you come outside, I will sign it for you. And if you don't sell it, by the way, don't sell it uh, not under $50 on the Internet, okay? <laughs> Buy it for 15 here, but on the Internet, sell it for 50 you know, because with the signature, all right? God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. I appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Oh, how the word is inspiring. Amen. How the principles of the word of God is inspiring. Amen. Would you, would you uh, join me and let's just bless the man of God. Would you do that? Would you uh, open up your heart and just do whatever the Lord tells you to do? If you need an envelope, uh, you can lift your hand. The guys in, uh, will, will serve you. Uh, if you're making a check, people still do that. We still do it every now and then, don't we? Amen. But uh, if you're making a check, if you just make it to Generations or G Church, <clears throat> we'll make sure that everything gets uh, to Pastor. And uh, also that way, you know, we can be sure that you get your receipt for your giving. Okay? Did you, did you, were you fed tonight? Yeah. Weren't we blessed? Praise God. My Lord, may God help us to renew our minds every, every day. Praise the Lord. Amen? All right. I'm going to give you just a second to get your, uh, those of you who want to give, get your offering ready. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Bob, I think everyone's ready. Praise the Lord. Very good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Let's see, uh, Mary, is Mary here? Where's Mary? Oh, did we have prayer partners tonight? Okay. If any, uh, our prayer partners, if you'd, and those of you who are serving as a prayer leader tonight, if you just come take a place around the front. If anyone needs prayer before you leave, please come and let them just minister to you. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, I just speak the blessing of the Lord over you. May God uh, just richly show his favor to you the rest of this week. Amen. And um, we'll see you on Sunday morning. Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. What a day. What a day. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer, you're welcome to come. Otherwise, then God bless you and we dismiss you. Brother Ingolf, you're going to be back here by your table? All right. For 11 books. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, though, Doc, I have one of those. I'm not selling it on the eBay. No, no, I'm keeping it in my library. All right, we love you guys. Y'all be blessed.